0: Hey yo, everybody! Welcome to episode eleven of the Joey and Amanda podcast. I'm Joey,
1: and I'm Amanda.
0: What's happening today?
1: Today is a very special day because we are interviewing Joey's mother, Mama. who also happens to be an amazing artist and a curator and a photographer, and she has so much experience in the art world. Um, this and is she's a super mama. She is a super mom. And I'm very excited about this episode because not only does she talk about her journey, which is very different, but she also talks about um, the art world. We give you guys a little bit of information of open calls and where you can submit if you're an artist and you want to get your artwork out there um, and what her advice is for artists that feel a little lost and i think that's always great to listen to from somebody as experienced and educated in the art world as she is so
0: she was so awesome on here. i'm so proud of her <laughs> and proud to be her son and i can't wait for you all to listen yes come on what
1: <laughs> right.
0: all right let's just do it okay My mom is here, and I'm so excited that my mom is here.
1: You too. You guys are in for a treat.
0: Um, not only are you an artist and painter and a photographer, but you're also a super mom
1: and a curator.
0: And a curator. So we'll talk about all those things because mm-hmm. I think something that we're really like we we're really interested in like people's passions and how they found what they're passionate about.
1: Yeah, so we've talked about that for us, but we are very early on in our career. So it's also nice to have you on here mm. because you've had so many different ways that you've turned your passion into, you know, you've curated, you've also had your work in shows, and and uh, you've done so much. So, so, Karen, how old were you when you figured out that is what you wanted to do for the rest of your life, your art?
2: Not until I was in my late... Like early 20s. So Mm -hmm. I was not, I was unlike you in that I did not think that I was good at visual arts. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up in a generation where art teachers were very much like you draw the tree to look like the tree and that's the best one in the class. Yeah. And I couldn't do that. So, and my sister's drawings were always better than mine and mine were kind of off a little bit in, in another direction And I knew I was creative, and I was always the kid who wandered and played and had a fantasy world, but I didn't think I was a visual artist. And I did drama, and then I got kind of shy, so I stopped doing drama, and I started dancing, and I played the piano. So I was always immersed in the arts, Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't really think about myself as an artist at all. And... um, But like I said, I was immersed in the arts. My mom was always interested in the arts, and she was a pianist. And my grandma had an amazing art collection, and we always went to the Art Institute in Chicago. And I was always interested in art, and I loved it. And I knew a lot about art, but I didn't consider myself an artist. Um, I was a dancer in high school. And when I got to college, I debated going into dance therapy, actually. And... um, became a psychology major, and... Were
0: you creating at this point Mm -mm. on your own? Mm
2: -mm. Not at all. So I was a psych major, and my freshman year I took a philosophy class Mm -hmm. in the dorm, and it was this small class taught by this young guy, and I fell in love with philosophy. So I changed my major to philosophy, and I took all these philosophy classes, and I was just very interested in... You know, studying why we were into religion or why, we, why would, there were wars in the world. Mm. And I was just always very thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And um, my junior year, I ran, went abroad, and I did a lot of soul-searching, and I was doing a lot of writing and taking a lot of art history classes and literature classes, and it was there that I decided I did not want to be a psych major. I felt like I would internalize things too much, and I just didn't think it would be good for me. And I was doing a lot of writing, like creative writing Mm -hmm. and um, kind of poetry, prose. And when I came back to, I was at the University of Colorado in Boulder. When I came back, I was a couple credits short from going abroad for the year. And I took photography. And it was there that I went, oh, this (laughs) kind of pulls it all together. So it took my love of art and writing and and study of humanity and people, and it kind of put it all together. Um, and then I graduated with this degree, and it was called the Distributive Studies major. And it was in philosophy, psychology, and French, with an emphasis on art history. Oh, wow. So what do you do with uh, that yeah. when you graduate? You <laughs> go to New
0: York? No. Oh, what do you do? You go I to
2: actually f- moved to L.A. So I lived yeah, in you L.A. You went to New York first. No.
0: Here we go. I'm learning <laughs> new stuff about my mama.
2: She was just telling no, me. I moved to L.A., and I was supposed to have a, get a job at an art gallery, and I didn't get the job. Wait, but
0: hold on. Why L.A.? Like, why? Because
2: one of my best friends from high school was living here, and she needed a roommate, and I okay. thought, all right, I'll move to L.A. Got it, got it. Yeah. So I packed up my car and moved to L.A. I'd, I don't even know if I'd ever been here. Oh, yeah, I was here once for a wedding. Oh. So um, we were oh living in Westwood, and I didn't get the job in the art gallery because the owner, well, the manager was my friend's cousin, and he said told me that I would maybe date his clients or something strange what? like that. And it was kind of my first like experience with the, the art sexism in yeah. the right. art gallery world, right. and I was had no idea what I was going to do here, and I got a job in a boutique in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. and the owner was French, so I thought, okay, well, I'll speak French, and maybe I'll go into fashion, because mm. that's, like, always, you know, i was always been interested in that and the artistic side of fashion, and yeah. it was not, it, it was just not going well, so yeah. Yeah. I left after six months. I went back to Chicago, and... Um, I got a job working at Marshall Fields, which was bought out by Macy's. So I worked on State Street. And some people straight out of college get into their buying training programs and they make, you know, decent money. Yeah. But I didn't get that. I was, like, making, you know, below minimum wage Mm. working all day every day. And I was kind of miserable. Were you still creating at the time? I was not creating at all. So I was literally in a change, like in a, back room with no windows changing hangers mm-hmm. and I was like I'm a philosophy major and I'm changing hangers yeah. for a living and yeah. Yeah. it was a lot of math and you know I thought maybe I'd be interested in buying but it's that's like business and that yeah. was not what I was interested in but when the people came to do the windows the displays then I really loved it because I would yeah. kind of work with them and put together things the and colors right, and right. yeah you
0: needed a creative outlet I needed
2: a creative outlet and I um Around that time was when I re-met your dad. And since, you know, David was a puppeteer and doing what he loved, I said, I've got to find what I love to do. Yeah. And I had loved this photography class, so I started taking classes at the Art Institute and at Columbia College. So I took a fashion illustration class at the Art Institute where Mm. I learned to draw not from my head, but like this spontaneous, quick... Uh-huh. Like just the movement, like mm-hmm. you just draw in 30 seconds, draw this pose. And in yeah. 15 seconds, draw this pose. And it unlocked something in me. Yeah. And I loved it. And then I started taking some photography classes at Columbia College. So I ended up enrolling in their graduate program in photography. And um, about a year into it, David and I got married and I moved to New York. So that's when I moved to New York. I jumped a couple of years and, and a couple events, I, <laughs> <laughs> a couple
0: big jobs, and and uh, re, re reinvented in, yeah. a story yeah
2: <laughs> yeah. But so and then when I got to New York, I I wasn't directly in a program there, but I took feminism in photography at the International Center mm. of Photography, and I took an art and criticism class, and it was taught by this guy Brian Wallace, who was an editor at Art in America. And that was life-changing. And so I ended up applying to that program through mm-hmm. NYU and the International Center of Photography. And it was amazing. And I'm still close to my mentor, Eileen Kixis. Yeah, so awesome. She's was an incredible person, but it was very hard because Columbia College was kind of that voice, like very um, male-dominated photography program where I was told that I was too intuitive and I needed to get out of the suburbs, even though I didn't live in the suburbs anymore. And I was kind of judged based on where I was from. Mm -hmm. And so then I moved to New York and my first like review with Eileen, I didn't really know what to photograph anymore. And so I photographed myself laying on this white bed. Mm -hmm. And she said, there's no one in this photograph. There's just a woman laying on a white bed surrounded by white walls and a white and and there's nothing
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I literally went home and I cried. I said, I don't even know what to make work about because I went from one extreme to the other. What did mm-hmm. she mean by that I was no I was not present anymore like I, I had been so trained to work opposite from who I was yeah. that I lost my voice uh. and and I remember one of my first reviews with her. She said, "I every time I spoke, I had this like shaky voice, and I was really I mean, nervous." I mean, but it's me, but then in yeah. the criticism classes, I was really confident, right? And everyone would what you know was so interested in everything I had to say. Well, so why
0: was that happening?
2: I have no idea. I think yeah. I was more confident with myself you intellectually, by her, you know, really? a little bit, yeah. And I was much more confident in my you know philosophy side of like. Criticism and theory, and mm-hmm. yeah. then I was the making of the artwork. Right, that was always the my more of my insecurity. Yeah, and because I wasn't a trained painter, and I wasn't, it was definitely always felt one step behind mm-hmm. in that way. I was gonna ask you because you ended up with a master's
1: in photography. Was mm-hmm. that? Um, did you, when you were young, did you love taking
2: photos, or or did you pick that up later? Did you ever like just love taking pictures when you were
1: little? Yeah, or take I probably
2: m- did. I mean, I remember, you know, having a camera all the time and loving it, but I don't think I ever thought of it as something of an art form. Mm-hmm. It was more snapshots. Yeah. Um, but some, yeah, sometimes. But, you but don't I was realize. always really visual. Yeah. Like when, even yeah. when I was a little girl, like we had this yard with a fence and we had lilac bushes. Mm-hmm. And I can remember going into the corner in the spring when the lilacs were in bloom and just seeing the color purple. Like I was always really visual and um, artistic and creative. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well you're so much yeah. like Shushu, like my grandma and she was she was such a good musician and had such a good voice and, and she loved like theater and and right and like everything you did came
2: from her heart so i think that that's what i connected to in art right so even the program that i was in through nyu um through the international center of photography it was very um it wasn't very photography heavy i ended up being more like more on the technical side there Mm -hmm. it was really soul-searching like art therapy it was very very intense and the emphasis was on what the work was about more than what it looked like. And I was doing yeah. a lot of writing at the time, and so I would have my photograph and then I, or whatever artwork I was doing, uh-huh. and then I'd have my writing. And a lot of times everyone was like, oh, you're writing so much better. Maybe you should just be a writer. And I would be like, no, I really want to be a visual artist. Yeah. yeah, So it was always a struggle for me to find that same like strength and energy in the visual, mm-hmm. then I could get writing and talking about my work. Yeah, It was really... It came later mm-hmm. for me. And even my, pro- my graduate thesis project was a projected video, and it was more of my writing than, than the visual. So I, I... It was always a hard balance for me. Yeah. Um, and really, I started drawing... When Joey was a baby. Well, so, what would you draw? Well, so when. Baby Joey? I had my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had my graduate thesis show when I was eight months pregnant. It was the last week I could fly, and then we flew back to Chicago. And right after you were born, we went to London, and I just was doing writing. I wasn't doing any visual work at all, except for taking photographs of you. And, um, When I got back to New York, you were at the phase where you were not sleeping great. And the doctors would say, at the time, let your baby cry. But we couldn't let him cry. We were living in in an apartment in New York City. Yeah, And so... Sorry. And and it didn't work anyway, because you would have just cried all night. Right. So somebody gave me this book called Ferbers. And you'd... So you're supposed to let them cry for two minutes... Um, go in, comfort them, walk out, then let them cry for four minutes, go mm-hmm. in, comfort them, let them cry. And by the third time, they're always asleep. Yeah. So oh. when I would do that, it was gut-wrenching. And it was so hard. You'd be like, your arms would be hanging through the crib. Oh. And it was oh. so hard as a parent. So yeah. I would, I got a sketch pad and, and pencils, and I started drawing it. And I started drawing that, like, image that I had of you with your arms through the crib reaching for me and feeling that first mother-child separation yeah and I've always been interested in mother-child separation yeah I would love to see yeah they're in my basement so from that I really started drawing like the mother-child connection and that was what my work was about for many many years yeah and it you know I had pieces called the tantrum and yeah. so like when I Just had two chaos. kids like hanging on me and that yeah. feeling of like a lot of my work has to do with body language and body. Yeah. And so that was my work for years. Yeah. The Human connection. I feel like a lot of your work is mm-hmm. and a uh, lot about touch.
1: We were
0: in New York then.
2: Well, or, so we were living in New York six months out of the year oh, and right. then Chicago six months right, right, out of the right. year. And then when you were going to start preschool, we decided to stay in Chicago. So I would stay with the kids in Chicago, and David would travel back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I always made time for my artwork. So it was hard because I was used to making work kind of from a darker place. Like, yeah. that's what I'd been trained to do through this program. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying, it's really hard as a parent to just snap into that. But you kinda, I kind of just learned to do that. So nap time, go. Yeah. Like, and yeah. I had at the time, my art studio was set up like in that little area. We have a little area sunroom off the dining room. Oh yeah, and so I, I would have my paints in there and my. And oh, that's such a beautiful place to create. Uh, yeah, I love it was that. nice, but it was small, and it was hard to have it be like right where your kids were. And yeah, I felt like I didn't have enough space. Yeah, and I didn't have an you know, kind of that room of your own didn't have like my own studio space for a really long time that was kind of hard but um and the more kids that I had the harder (laughs) it got yeah (laughs) but um then I made my space like up in our laundry room Mm -hmm. which we've created in there together yeah well then it was I think like nine or ten years ago we did an addition and that's when I added on that studio space. oh that one yeah mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. there was always the laundry room up there so I had part of that room
1: yeah and when okay. did when did you start curating
2: so I was always interested in it and when I came back from New York I had um, proposed to the Art Center where I work now to it was a different director and mm-hmm. um, to curate an exhibit on women and body. And this was before computers or anything. So I would go to different galleries in the city and look through slides. Oh, my God. So gosh. this is, you know, way back. And I was really having trouble finding work that I was interested in. And then I found Women Made Gallery. And I met Bietta, who was the founding director there. Mm-hmm. and. I fell in love with a bunch of artists. And so I put together this whole exhibit and I had the slides and everything. And then the art center ended up not doing it. Yeah. And I was really discouraged. So I just kind of went back to doing my own thing and I was getting a couple like solo shows at coffee shops or, yeah. um, you know, frame shops. And then at the time I was doing a series called Tree Women. And so they were like, kind of a cross between a woman and a tree. Okay. And they were in... Black and white? <laughs> no. Some were... Some, some of them were. Black and white or browns. Do, do and you white have one in your living room? No? No, I have one. That uh. was one of the drawings. The one you're thinking of was one of the drawings of the era before that. Oh. Uh, my kids were little. Okay. Um, I don't think I have any of the tree women out in my house anymore. You, you, we used to. Yeah. So I, I was there, doing I it. I think and there
0: is. Maybe in the maybe. bathroom maybe. downstairs.
2: So I had this, I had this, um, a couple of pieces in a gallery in a town next to our town called Glencoe. And one day I was walking by and I noticed it wasn't in the window. So I went in and I said, what happened to that piece? Did it sell? Like I'm thinking maybe it sold. I was all yeah. excited. And he said, oh no, a woman saw it. A vagina in it and so she's he's like so I had to take it out what the tree women it's the knot of the tree is like a womb yeah and I was, oh, well, it's a small town so I went to a woman oh maid and God. I said to be okay now I've been banned from Glencoe <sighs> I think I've hit the pinnacle of my career oh, no. I was kind of <sighs> happy about it in a way because it was like I I felt a little bit stuck so for a lot of years, it was like I had these two separate lives. I had my life as the suburban mom raising my kids, mm-hmm. and then I had the secret life of the artist. Yeah. And they were really separate And until I really started showing more around town. And people come yeah. in and go, I had no idea you were an yeah. artist. Oh, my gosh. It was really funny. It was like I really kind of kept them separate. Yeah.
1: Kind of like how you kept your... your <clears throat> your uh, party and Oh, when I was in college. Yeah, yeah there was like, you <laughs> that know, That reminded me. Party. Oh, yeah, it was like party true. Joey
0: in college and then the other guy was uh, Like you're
1: like the frat had no idea that you were in the No. Or most of them. No, so they didn't. Fun. know I
0: was like, you know, going out at night to go do some Shakespeare. <laughs> and on the flip side, you know, my Shakespeare castmates didn't know that I was heading back to the frat right after <laughs> the play.
2: That's so true. Yeah. Funny, but once I that.
0: once I did well, I don't think I ever really linked the two worlds, like because you did. I mean, I you did. you, yeah. you do. No,
2: and now I'm I totally yeah. do. And but. you know what?
0: I, these aren't comparable, first of all, because <laughs> because I knew the whole time that party Joe was a phase, and I knew it was like something I wanted to do for maybe a year at the most. Right.
2: It wasn't because I didn't want to share both parts. They just were just so to... right, and. It was hard for me at that phase to get my work out there. Like, I remember calling Eileen saying, I just, I feel so stuck. Like, I don't know how to get it out into the world. Yeah. and Or social media. And I remember yeah. her saying, it'll happen, you mm-hmm. know, just keep making the work. Mm-hmm. And so, I did. I just kept making the work. And it yeah. piled up in my studio and it piled up in my house. But I just kept making it. That's, and it kept getting better. Yeah. And so... Um, Really what happened was, so before Phoebe was born, so this is almost 20 years ago, I found out that I had the gene for breast cancer, the BRCA gene. And it was interesting because I had done work about genetics even in graduate school. I was always interested in genetics. I made a book called Bloodlines when I was in graduate school. And the day I found out I had the gene, I was in my studio that was in the laundry room at the time, and I was in front of a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. And I got a call from my mom's oncologist that I tested positive for this gene. And this was very early. We were one of the first families tested in, uh, in Illinois, and nobody had even heard about it. Oh, my gosh. So I hung up with him, and I remember I started, I just turned on the music, and I started painting, and I was crying, and I was painting. And this storm was coming. So the storm is coming, and the, the skies are getting blacker, and I'm just painting and crying, and um, Joey's brother Noah was a baby, and he was up in his room napping, and the storm was coming, and the alarm started going off right as I finished the painting. Mm-hmm. And I remember I grabbed Noah from his crib and I took him down to the basement. Cause there were like tornado warnings oh my God. and it was called a microburst. Oh yeah. and the microburst hit, and I think Dad picked you guys up and I We was had at to Papa's.: We had to go to Papa's. Yeah. And I didn't tell anybody about the gene because we ended up having to stay at Papa's overnight because we had no power, yeah. and it was yeah. like it was a storm, it yeah. was like in it was every crazy. way. Yeah. And so this piece is called "The Storm." That's oh my the one God. that was hanging in my living room. It's in my bedroom now though. Oh. And um I wanna see it again now with new eyes, with right. yeah, a background right. story. Um, there's a lot in it. So after that I became so after I found out I had the gene, I mm-hmm. decided to have surgery, so I had a hysterectomy and I found out that I had precancer in my fallopian tube and ovary. Mm-hmm. So it saved my life. And my doctor at the time asked me if I was interested in hooking up with the com- company that discovered the BRCA gene yeah. Myriad to become a patient speaker advocate. And I did. And when I went there, it was a three-day seminar on the art of storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I brought slides of my work as I told my story. Yeah. And it was like a huge hit. And people were like, you should put together a book. And so I started to put together – I made a book called Bloodlines. Yeah. And then – I um, went to the director of the art center at the time, Gabrielle Russo, and I said to her, I'd like to do an exhibit on breast and ovarian cancer. And this is why. And I showed her my work and she loved the idea and her sister had breast cancer. And so I just, I put out a call for entry, which is, You know, an open call, different artists throughout the country can submit work. Yeah. And this was still at a time that you submit on a CD, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think what Um, year... This was like... This was
0: 2010.
1: 2010? Mm. Can I I just say something really quickly? For people that are listening that are artists, um, Karen Helene Rudman, if you look her up on social media or her website you always have open calls. You're always looking for artists because mm-hmm. she she's cura- she's constantly curating shows. So I think a lot of artists that are listening are always wondering where they can submit. So I just wh- so where do you think it, where is the best place they can submit their work and see what you have going on?
2: All of my calls are on the artcenterhp.org. Okay. So it's just right out the org, And okay. if you go into um exhibitions it's in open call like you click yeah down it's an open call for entry and you click onto them and I think I'm up to the fall of 2019 there's open calls there's a bunch um coming up Mm -hmm. The, the next one is inside outside and the one after that is the impact color impact black and white Oh, and you started, um, That's the one that you were. Those are the next two, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is so And great. those ones, I'll, I have guest jurors, so I don't jury those. I mm-hmm. help with the deciding and I hang them, but I don't yeah. choose the work. So you were saying, okay, so in 2010, I put this call for entry out, and I had no idea what I was going to get. So I was really nervous. Like I, yeah. I had no idea. I thought I'm going to either just have my own work, or I don't know. This could be a disaster. Yeah. And so. I went to the art center and I remember picking up a box of slides, of CDs to put in my computer. Mm-hmm. And I went home and I sat in my kitchen and I was putting in the slides. And every one I put in, I was like, "Oh, this is unbelievable." Yeah. It's like if I could have handpicked work to fit that theme, and it was all different mediums. There oh was a woman gosh. who knit these sweaters with like appendages that came out and. Uh, it was just mind-boggling the work was so beautiful and so powerful and um i did a bunch of these like large paintings for it and it was a huge success right away and um a friend of mine's husband worked for medline which is a medical supply company Mm -hmm, in illinois and um he ended up inviting the owner of Medline to come and look at the exhibit because they had just done the Pink Glove campaign, and they were doing a lot with breast cancer. And so they sponsored the exhibit to travel. Oh, my
1: gosh. And it went to
2: different cancer centers throughout the country. And actually, one of them was the University of Arizona um cancer center oh my god that was was amazing amazing. so i came a couple times yeah so fun oh it was amazing and i did workshops every time and they paid me at each location they built these huge crates yeah and i'd have to like pack up the artwork and load them in the crates yeah yeah and unpack them and sometimes i was by myself doing it and it was crazy but it was such a good experience i learned so much yeah and um they it took about traveled for like maybe a year and a half, yeah. And at the same time, the art center made the exhibit an annual exhibit, so it was in 2011, 2012. and um, and then, and then at that point, we switched it to go to biannual, because it just felt like I was constantly working on it, and it was yeah. getting to be too. You know, it was, it, we just felt like it was too much to do it yearly. Mm-hmm. So we switched it to biannually, and we changed it to cancer as a metaphor. So it wasn't just about breast and ovarian cancer. Mm. And because I had so many people say to me, oh, my God, I've been touched by cancer. I'd love to participate, but it's not breast and ovarian. Yeah. And I felt like I still could, you know, have breast and ovarian cancer in the right. exhibit without it being the yeah. only thing. Right. Um, and it's been amazing ever since yeah. i mean every year we honor somebody different and it's been it, it's amazing because every year it kind of takes on a theme of its own mm-hmm. based on the work that's submitted and it's always one of those gifts that it's beyond my control maybe i'm just able to see it mm-hmm. but like one year when we were honoring grandma we were honoring my mom my mom was a connector so she connected with everybody from people in grocery stores to neighbors to anybody, yeah. yeah. And that was kind of what I was thinking in my head. And the series of work that I had for it were images of all of us holding my mom's hand, you know, as she was ill. And then I turned them into mixed media pieces. They, they were the, so beautiful, the twelve by twelve. Those were just unbelievable. And all this work submitted happened to be that year. Like Amanda, you submit those pieces, and it was a man and a woman side by side and then another woman um shandrika marla she had these two like shoulders side by side yeah one woman had um holding hands with her doctor and like it the whole exhibit seemed like it was about connection yeah so you know that was one year one year i had all this stuff that seemed like out of darkness comes light Mm -hmm. it's a lot of from dark to lightness and Mm -hmm. um this last year in 2018 um, we honored Jackie Sabbath, who was a good friend of ours. Who She was an exhibiting artist in 2016, and it was actually the last piece she had ever made. The black and white painting, mm-hmm, I yeah. remember it. Can, can so, you
0: tell that story right now, actually, about Jackie and yeah, that painting? Oh,
2: that's an amazing story. So Jackie um, is a friend of mine's mom who is an amazing artist and she's a sculptor and she and I always had that like little secret connection through art you know and she broke her pelvis one summer and I brought her these watercolor pencils that I was using and that I loved to use when I traveled and so we always had that connection and I was having a hard time with the 2016 exhibit I was honoring my mom I was having some difficulties with the art center. They didn't end up putting the call for entry out. It was like a weird transition time there. Yeah. And so I didn't have enough work, and I was hanging the exhibit the next week. And I was at a Labor Day party at a mutual friend's, and I saw Jackie, and I knew she was going through some treatment for a blood cancer disorder. Yeah. And I said to her, do you have any work that you could put in this exhibit And she's like, oh, I would want to make something. I said, you don't even have to make anything. Just anything you have. Like, I love your work. And all night she was coming up to me. And she kept going, I I see this woman. She's backed up against the wall, but she's moving forward. And and I kept saying, you don't have to make anything. Like, Mm -hmm. I'll come over and just pick out something. Or Cindy, you know, her daughter has something. And she left that night. And her daughter said to me, Karen, she's really so tired. I don't think she's going to be able to paint something for it. I said, she doesn't even need to. I'll just take something at your house. And the next day, I was walking around the block with David and my phone rang and I answered it and she's like, Karen, it's Jackie. I said, hi. She goes, I woke up early this morning. I went to Blick right when it was opening and I bought acrylic paints. I've never used acrylics before. i always used oils, but if you like it, you know, I'd love you to have this piece. And I'm like, is amazing. I yeah. would love it. So let me pick it up tomorrow. No, no, no. I'm bringing it to your house. She brought it over. We wrote her artist statement standing in my driveway. The piece was beautiful. Yeah. So it looked like it was black in the background and this white figure kind of from behind. Mm-hmm. And then when you look closely, it wasn't really black. It was like shades of purples and, and then the sides of the painting were red. And so it was just a really beautiful powerful piece and um when i was hanging the exhibit i got a text from cindy her daughter saying we're not going to make it my mom is not feeling well i'm taking her to the hospital we're not going to be at the opening yeah and she never got out of the hospital and it was the last piece she made after a lifetime of like a prolific amount of work so we honored her in 2018 and it was really amazing. And the theme was like the year of color. Yeah. And it was just this idea of things aren't always black and white. You know, there there isn't just life or death. Like we live on through our art or through our children or something that we leave behind mm-hmm. in a memory or some way that you've touched somebody's life. Right. And I felt like that was the theme that came out of this exhibit. It was really, it was so meaningful and her children ended up setting up a Jackie Sabbath fa- foundation at the Art Center. Mm-hmm. So it's an exhibition foundation that supports public education outreach and exhibitions. So it's so. amazing. So the, her, her name now lives on in yeah. so many other ways, too.
0: Gosh, it's Mom, amazing. what you're doing there is unfrickin' believable.
2: Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. It really is. So I went from just doing Voices and Visions. So the yeah. exhibit's called Voices, Voices and, Visions, and Visions, Standing on the Bridge Between Health and Disease. And I know it's long, but I just felt like the standing on the bridge between health and disease was such a big part of it because cancer is just the metaphor. Right. We're all, we all like, enter that bridge at some point in our life. Yeah. Like, we're all faced with our immortality. We mm-hmm. all go for mammograms every year all you know have doctor's appointments or have the fear or worry i mean joey's seen and had a lot of loss in his life and i've watched two people close to him you know really struggle with cancer and it's hard and and there's always there's rarely anybody in the room who hasn't been touched by cancer at the openings or or when i speak or even if they haven't hear or know somebody who have and have been the support for them. So I think that it's that it's bigger than just cancer, but cancer is such a perfect metaphor. Yeah. yeah. And I also feel like when, when it comes to cancer, the words we use are so symbolic. Like when somebody has cancer, you say, you're gonna fight it, you're gonna be right. a survivor. Right. You know, You battle, like Mm -hmm. the words we use are so specific to cancer Mm -hmm. and, and they're all about strength and finding strength. Mm -hmm. And the other aspect of voices and visions, the voices part is I ask a different question every year
1: Yeah, and
2: anybody can answer them. We put it out to the community. So like the first year I asked, how do you detach from your body as you head into surgery? And I think the next year I asked, um, how do you find strength in pain? It was a line in a, I I think it was an Abbott Brothers song, or um, do you remember? To think of it. it was a line in it about finding strength in pain. I thought that was such a good line. Yeah. And so many people feel like, well, even the first year, my first response was, I've never felt more connected to my body in my life. Or, you know, people talk about how they find meaning when they face diagnosis mm-hmm. or lost somebody, that it made them feel you know, something in a deeper way, or yeah. a deeper level. And I think that's why I do it. It's so, and you do such a good job. And, and
1: you're also a connector too. You said, you know, your yeah. mama is like that, but so are you with, with
2: the arts. But that's what I love about art. Like for me, I don't, I mean, I love looking at it visually, but what I love is finding the humanity in it. Like, what, it, what is it saying about us, and how does it communicate, and how does it connect us to each other? So, like, all the exhibits, now that I curate, now that I'm officially their curator at the Art Center, they all have to do with something that has to do with us as people, as a culture. Mm-hmm. And each exhibit, we try to do something also to give back. So... Like when you were the guest juror for Food Glorious Food,
1: mm-hmm.
2: we had a food, we collected food at the opening for a food pantry, and um, when we had an exhibit about homelessness, we um, collected a coat drive. That was such so a great. That was, that was a great, great exhibit. One. Yeah. That was an amazing exhibit. I, w- I wish one? I went. No. Yeah. That one was really why. good. Okay. Why
0: was I there?
2: You were there. It was over Thanksgiving. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. with my family. So that exhibit was um, Wendy Abrams, who's an activist. She's an eco-activist. She did the Cool Globes that traveled internationally. Um, She was my guest juror for an exhibit I did called Eco Art. And when I met with her to go over how you juror and how you do the computer stuff, she said, you know, I have this project. She started to say, I'm not an artist, but I've been buying these signs from homeless people, and I really want to exhibit them. So I sent her the definition of a conceptual artist. So I said, you have to stop saying you're not an artist. And now start saying, I'm a conceptual artist. So she did the Cool Globes, and now she did this project. So she framed the actual signs in these white frames with white map board. And they were so powerful. So there were the
1: the signs of, of homeless people that they made did she, she buy it from so them? So she
2: buys it from them. And each one has a more interesting story than the next. Yeah. But what I loved about it is that... It's so unique. You know, it's it's one thing to say you're going to do it, and it's another to actually do it. And, mm-hmm. and she does it when she travels. And so imagine that you're traveling somewhere, and you, you know, go up to somebody and say, I, can I buy your sign? And she gives them $20. And, and then you have to carry the sign the rest right. of the day right. and pack it in your suitcase and... So it's, you know, it's really you're going that extra step. And yeah. a lot of times she's built relationships with the people who are behind the signs, and that's really her purpose in doing it. Mm-hmm. So she says, I'm not trying to, you know, fix homelessness or find a solution for it. Her, her intention is really to build empathy and to help people see the humanity behind them. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I was struck so much was the handwriting and so many of the signs, they were beautifully written or decorated or had an emoji on it or in a smiley face. And right. how many said, God bless you and thank you. And, you know, one person wrote, This is awkward for me too. And, yeah. and then some were funny and were yeah. like, yeah. and had such a sense of humor. And some yeah. had, were political, like, a yeah. lot, a lot were, a political, lot were yeah. political, and so you think somebody who's living on the street can't worry about our education department, and, and Secretary DeVos, you know what I mean, yeah. like, and, and they do, and so it was really powerful, and so the theme of the Art Center, so Wendy's project is called Invisible Words, mm-hmm. and I said to her, well, we need to tie it into a theme overall in the art center. So I said, how about we do the art of giving back? So everything we did in the art center had an element of art and service. So another artist that I had was Kelly Matthews, who is a good friend of mine in Chicago. And she, they had done an article in the Tribune on her recently before that, um, that she has bipolar disorder and She called me up, she goes, well, I'm facing my fear, you know, I'm now, it's out that I have this, and, you know, I said, that's amazing, you know, you shouldn't have to feel like you hide it, and so she said, well, I'm going to take these panels to, Joby is this big art center in Chicago where there's gallery space and this huge warehouse building, and they have Third Fridays, and hundreds of people are there, So she put these panels, and she invited people to come write down their fears. And she was texting me, and she was like, there are 600 people standing around these panels, and they're not just writing their fears and walking away, but they're watching other people write their fears. Oh, my God. And she said somebody wrote down that they were were afraid they passed down their genetic mutation to their children. And the person watching her started to cry and hug this person, a stranger. And it was, she said she was so moved by it, oh so she takes gosh. these big panels, and she covers them in black wax, and caustic wax, yeah. and then she scrapes away the words resist fear, and you can just see the scribbling of color behind where the words were, where the words resist fear mm. are.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And so we exhibited, she has like 200 square feet or more, and we exhibited some of those at the art center. And we just had all these different projects, and then our part of giving back was this boy, young man, Justin Coe, who is he's part of this community at Keshet, and mm-hmm. um, he's nonverbal, and he when he meets you, if you give him a business card, he wraps it in sticker and tape, and they're beautiful and they're heavy, and they so he's do-
0: got like like hundreds. <sighs> of these business cards that he's taped together in a ball. Okay. So it's and this, he like... he
2: knows which business card is in which ball. Yeah. And he, every day when he leaves the house, he chooses one that he carries with him. Yeah. And if he meets you and you connect to him in some way, or, like, a is nice to him, he'll give you the ball. But then he wants the ball back. Right. So it's his way of being, like, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? I like yeah. you. You're so nice. And it, ah, oh, they were so amazing. and. Yeah. When I was speaking at the opening, he wasn't there when I started speaking, and I was so bummed, and I had to just keep going. So I said, and then there's Justin Coe. And as I said it, he walked in the door and came over and stood next to me and put his head on my shoulder while I told his story. Uh, And he was beaming. It was so amazing. It was amazing. How old? He's in his late 20s probably, yeah. And he's the sweetest, sweetest person and uh, just meant so much for his mom and his community. And she brought his friends and they were so proud. And it was really, I mean, to me, again, like that's sort of the power of art and healing and connecting. And Mm -hmm. it was just amazing. And that's what I love about art. Like that's really why I do it. I mean, I love making it and I love the physical part of it. Mm -hmm. But I love the story, the stories behind, behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like the work I'm working on now, I've been using my mom's, Joey's, grandma's um, snapshots. And I, I really started thinking about it, you know, after you're gone and like what happens to the things that make up your life. I had all of her boxes of photographs that nobody really wanted. Yeah. And, of course, we want the ones of, of her, ourselves and her. Yeah. But, like, her with all of her friends or on right. her trips. Or, and I started thinking about, about each one, like, each photograph of her trips is somewhere she was in that moment in time and somebody she connected to in a small way, in that millisecond that she took the photograph. Mm-hmm. And so I started painting over them. And then I started cutting them up yeah. and putting them in my work. And then I started cutting up my writings. So I'm like, if I'm cutting up her photograph, I should cut up something of mine. Yeah. And so then I rework them together on canvas or on the wood and kind of in hopes of redefining or retelling a shared story or memory or history. So it's a way that you can kind of,
1: it, not only know. that, but it's, it's kind it. of like rebirth of, of something because it, it, those photos might have ended up in a box, and next thing you know, in generations, it, it's they're gone somehow. Right, like my grandma's yeah.
2: photographs, I think we threw away eventually. Yeah, like, so now it's a piece of art, so it lives yeah, on. Right, I right. wish I had yeah. kept yeah. my grandma's. I'm like, uh, you know, I want to yeah. like rewind time now and go back and get them. Yeah. Yeah. And people keep asking me, are those the originals, like, to make copies? Right. I'm like, no, because if I make copies, it defeats the purpose. Then yeah. right. it's like I have to use the her pictures. Yeah. yeah. I, have a, I have, oh, yeah.
1: A, have a business question. I don't know how you would feel about this, but my, my business mind just goes in, in because there are a lot of people, I'm sure, that have these photos, too, that mm. wish that they had the eye to be creative, but they don't would you do this for other people, or is it something that you rather just do for yourself and for...
2: I don't know, and I've asked people... You know, I've wondered about that, too. I think I would be willing to try to do it, because Mm -hmm. I think it would be an interesting... They're so beautiful. Yeah, and I think that...
0: Would you want to know about like the relationship between
2: Well, I think I would ask yeah. the, the person to do some writing. Yeah. Nerd no, just do some writing or tell a little bit of a story and cut up their writing oh, because Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the words yeah. are a big part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's kind of piecing those two things together. So, I I would be interested in doing that. I think it would be an interest, a fun project. Yeah.
1: I thought you would like it too because then it, it's you know, the story of of and sometimes we we went to joey and i went to a market not too long ago and we look at these photos and you can tell these are just like black and white old photos and we're like what happened in this person's life right. like it's kind right. of interesting right it, it is totally. that would be a fun project i don't know dude yeah
0: like, I sh- I would i'm sure there's be so many people who have like photos like that who like maybe they're not in them but they belong to somebody who these photos are passed down to, and and they don't want to throw them away.
1: Yeah, so having an My friend Jackie
2: keeps saying, somebody should commission you to do something. Yeah. 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 Really
0: cool idea. Really cool idea. That is awesome. Mom, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. Thank
2: you. You're the best. You're the best. But I think, like, when I look at what you guys are doing, I think it's amazing that you know, for me, it's been harder to find the, like Amanda and I were talking about it today, the business end of it, or the financial end of it. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, I was telling Amanda earlier she, her, that...
0: Her business mind is phenomenal. Well,
2: the other thing, it's like I was telling Amanda, when I was in graduate school, it was like, it was an era of kind of rebelling against that. So mm-hmm. people were burning flags, or doing art as not commodity, and... Yeah. I remember being told in graduate school when I was taking children's portraits, like, oh, don't get yourself a reputation doing that. You know, like, don't, you can't be in an art fair. Like, that's, that would be low art. You know, like, there was a certain stigma in kind of also the commodification. The, making art into commodity was kind of looked down upon.
0: When did that, when do you think that changed?
2: You know, I think this was post, like, Warhol to Cindy Sherman to, like, all Uh these people who were wildly successful in their lifetimes. That was a new concept. So, like, traditionally, an artist did struggle while they were alive. They struggled until they died. And then that changed in the 60s and 70s. So then I was in, like, late 80s, 90s, and it it just cycles like that. Yeah, and now, I mean... There's so many artists even on Etsy
1: or yeah, and in my mind I always think, okay, what are you really good at, and then what are other people not good at, but they wish that they can have that you can happily help them achieve, so everybody's happy. That's just my right. how my mind works. So I feel like you would be so happy, like working on these pieces, and somebody else would be so thankful that you exist so
2: you can do it for them. So Yeah, Yeah, I would love it. I would love it. Yeah, we need to do... um, Well, like Redefining Beauty, when I did that project, and that's ongoing, that I continue to do, but that was a project I started um, before... It was in between one of the years for Voices and Visions, but um, women shared images of their bodies after going through a mastectomy or radiation Mm -hmm. or a biopsy, and I would turn them into mixed media. So they were the 18
1: by 24
2: sheets, like unstretched Mm -hmm. canvas sheets. And for everyone that donates a picture, I would make them a piece so that Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like, and I felt like it was always a collaboration and it was nothing. You know, I turned them into these beautiful pieces Mm -hmm. because it was redefining beauty, and I didn't want them to be like the scar project or Something that was shocking or like these were, you know, it's you don't even always know what you're looking at. Yeah. And then I did my own, like I did previving from there, which was three hundred and sixty-five of my own process of dealing after the mastectomy and Yeah. If people didn't
1: catch that three hundred and sixty five pieces (laughs) of artwork that she did. Something that I'm you know, talking to you that I'm hearing that it's something that a lot of people ask me and I hear this over and over again from, you know, people like you or or I even give this advice is so many people feel lost in the art world sometimes, especially in the beginning that everybody has like, yeah. you know what they want to do. But the one constant that I find, just like you just said, is just keep creating, just keep creating. You'll figure it out. People always ask me. Like how do you find your style? It's like if you do something one thousand times, you won't have that question
2: anymore, right? Because you'll figure it out, and it has right. to come and from I within. I change. I change like my mediums a lot, and yeah. I I change as a person. Projects. I tend to work in series, mm-hmm. and so my series change or seasons. I f- is what I say. Yeah, like yeah. well, I did the Previving and and Redefining Beauty. That took me years, years. I I mean. I don't even know how many years that yeah. took. You yeah. know, three? Yeah. I remember when I finished previving, I was like, what do I do now? You yeah. know, because every time I went in my studio, I knew what I was going to do. Yeah, And then, I don't remember what I did right after. I well, think I always, started the hand. we always
0: sort of had that, like with the tree. With right,
1: the tree I do lemon. series yeah. forever. Then, I think every artist does, yeah. because we're always changing and evolving as humans, so... You know, when you're in different stages in your life, if you're you move to a different house, or if you have a child or mm-hmm. some somebody passes or anything,
2: it, it completely changes you and your art right. will right. will change. But I tend to work like in series, so that like I'll have like one body of work that goes together and then yeah. another body of work mm-hmm. like your drawings And then your species for collection for two yeah. years. Right.
1: Yeah. People would have thought that I was just painting animals and that's yeah. just what I did. And they right. have no idea that I would do the small drawing. like Right, um, right. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, so for people that are so worried, it's like don't even worry about that. Just work. I think they get stuck sometimes in, in like what should I do? And it's just like starting is always the hardest part. Yeah,
2: that's true. But, but once you're... Yeah.
1: And you heard it from? I mean, you've been
2: you've been creating for so many years. I have, and I. But so the hard thing for me is because I do work in series and grids a lot. It is hard. It's also hard to sell one. One feels sometimes out of context. I mean, every once in a while they do, but you know they're usually shown in a bigger group, mm-hmm. and so I always feel like that's a struggle. You know, that's like a little bit of a, and and also my work is, it doesn't photograph as well, because it's oh mixed media, mm-hmm. so there's so much texture in it, so on a computer, it never really looks it, it, exactly that's, that's how true. It
1: I feel I feel like your work, um, like if, for example, I'm sorry that you guys can't experience what we're experiencing right now, or what I am, because I get to see her work in real life right now above our fireplace, oh. <laughs> but... Um, we have a couple originals. We have some in the hallway. We have one in the fireplace. We have one in the bathroom. Um, if we had a bigger home, we'd have more. But above the fireplace, I think that if we had a photo like this, like in a room, do you think it? I think it would photograph when you can kind of see how big it is or how it can.
2: Oh yeah, maybe.
1: You know, I you know just visually
2: that would be cool to have it yeah. in a different. But it's still different, like you don't see the, the texture. Yeah. yeah, and like I use like fiber papers and little strings sometimes stick out, mm-hmm. and like you don't really capture that in a two dimensional yeah. as much. That's true. Especially the ones on unstretched canvas that aren't behind glass. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I love your work so much. Oh my gosh, think, it's yeah.
2: so good. Thank you. Yeah.
0: This was so great. Yeah, was was so thank you so awesome to hear it was this. So much fun. Uh, so Wait, before we're done, I we have a
1: couple questions. I have a couple more questions. Oh, but you go. No, no.
0: I was gonna. I was gonna switch the subject. Oh. so keep going.
1: Really quickly. Um. So I think if you can leave people with um one piece of advice. Oh, great. Um. You're, if you're the best. No, you're the best. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> you're the best. Um. If you can leave people with one piece of advice, if they're feeling lost as an artist. Um, what would it be just because that is a question that's a question that I get a lot and I answer it in my own way but you
2: have so much more experience than I do so one thing I always tell people when I speak to students or a big group or mm-hmm. if I do a workshop is that I think I think we let our the voice in our head overtake the act of creating so we're our own worst critics right like I look at my work and I'm probably much more critical of it than if you both look at my work Mm -hmm. and and one thing I hear all the time is you know I don't know if I'm good enough or I don't know if I'm I'm not creative or I'm not artistic or any of those things and I always say like you get dressed every day and you decorate your homes or you do those are all creative things that you feel confident about every day and that you do every day. And making art is the same process. It's just a diff- different medium, and you're just mm-hmm. expressing yourself differently. And I also feel that if you're, if you're expressing yourself and if you're, if you're putting your heart into something, then it's going to have power, yeah. Because it's your story, and it's your voice, and it's who you are. So, and nobody else. And nobody else can take that away from you. And and that's what you have to remember is important, and it's not how many sell, and it's not. It's what are you trying to say, and, and are you expressing who you are to the world? And that's what's important. And the rest does fall into place, like you said. Like, okay, maybe I don't sell as much but now I'm curating or now you know yeah. and so I'm still reaching people I mean I think that's why we all do it as artists yeah. you know we want to connect to people and we want to reach people mm-hmm. I mean you said to me today Amanda and I loved this like you're you and Joey are in other people's homes like a piece of you mm-hmm. exists, in like all over the world it's like that's crazy. a it's crazy so phenomenon crazy. right yeah. it's like and that's a piece of you. Like, mm-hmm. you're sharing such an intimate part of who you are with the world, and that's probably why you do connect to so many people mm-hmm. through it. And I think that's a really amazing, beautiful thing. So if you're creating art, just your truest self from your truest self and, and speaking your voice, then that's what it's all about. Yeah, and That's what every artist is doing know whether you're the most established artist at you know in at the m c a or you're a struggling artist on a street corner it yeah. doesn't matter mm-hmm. yeah you know if you're putting that sign out or you're or you're putting it on Instagram or you're sharing it in an art center or whatever it is mm-hmm. it's just you know we're all just trying to do the same thing, yeah. And so it's really perfect. the same thing with perfect. acting. Like for you, Joey, like, you know, you were sharing those videos of yourself acting or your Instagram, yeah. you know, the the characters or, yeah. you know, doing this, you know, your the sketch comedy stuff and yeah. the times where it's hardest for you is when you're not sharing your for love sure. of, uh, you know, what for you sure. do. You, yeah. Because it sometimes it is harder as an actor because you, it depends on an audience. It depends on yeah. a lot of things, you know, and, and you need the audience that. to feed that and, right. and to to share. Like if your you cat. need to
0: get your creative itch out, you just go.
2: You just we go, go into in, a studio, right. yeah. But it, I go onto the streets. Hey,
0: baby. everybody, <laughs> gather around. I you know, do a show. <laughs> Step right up, Wait. step right up. <laughs> like
2: Bert and uh, Mary Poppins. Yeah, or... <laughs> yeah, oh My gosh, that is so
1: funny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. But it is. Yeah. It,
2: and for the same thing, the artist that's not getting their work out there, out there feels frustrated the same way when you're not able to share it. Right. You know, we all were doing it to share it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean there are some artists who don't ever want to share it and they yeah. keep it hidden until yeah. after they're gone you discover like yeah this like treasure trove of like artwork. Yeah. But I think most artists wanna share their ideas and their story and their work. I feel like I've learned a lot from you guys too. From her. Well from yeah. well, yeah. But <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, it's harder when you're older in a way that like you help me all the time with the technology end of it, and help me redo my my website. And Speaking of, and check I mean, out
0: check out her Instagram story right now because posting a picture on there took twenty five <laughs> minutes. She's doing. But we so got good. it down. Like shooshu shoo now. Yeah. Someone had to take over.
2: Uh, no, I'm so proud of you. Your stories are coming along good. I no, I never did the story thing.
1: You. You're getting, you're getting. Karen Helene job. Rudman for people that, uh, uh, I actually, I, I think just. think it's Karen Helene it's on Karen Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. Oh, Karen Helene, sorry. That's Karen okay. Helene, which I just tagged her in one of my recent posts. Um, so you can find her well, Sorry, her I too. cut
0: you off. You were saying really nice things about us. Please continue.
2: No, yeah. I mean, it's nice. Yeah. I think that you, you can always, you always have to be open to learn new things yeah. and expand how you do things and, I learn a lot from you guys, too. So. Thanks,
1: Mama. Things are always changing. But I think this is, yeah. I'm so glad that we have the honor to interview you because I think it's always just important to connect um, people in all different stages of their career. And even though things change, there's always some type of constant that, that I keep finding that it's just about being true to yourself. And, and continuing to create and, I mean, showing it will always change, you know. Yeah, how you show it and what
2: you do. Even how galleries show have changed so much. I mean, people used to
1: just, the only way people saw it, they had to go out
2: in the street and had to paint in the middle of a plaza and then hope. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, and when I was in graduate school, you had to get gallery representation To get into a gallery yeah and now you know you can get in you just have to give them money up front Mm -hmm. you know it's just changed so much Mm -hmm. Um, for better or for worse it's just different but at the same time now you can hear about an artist and look on their website and see their full body of work in three clicks and that's pretty amazing too Yeah. yeah
0: so the most important question is who's your favorite kid Rank us in order from no
2: Joey's my favorite oldest child. Oh,
0: nice! My favorite second Second oldest child. child.
2: Noah's my favorite third, and Phoebe's my favorite baby.
0: Got it, got it. Well, I would
2: want to hear a really good mom story. Always okay. So, um, a lot of you know Joey's dad travels a lot for his work. He's gone a lot. Mm-hmm. And I stayed at home with the four kids. I think at the time I had three, this story. Hence, um, super mom. And there was this one time Dad had been away for a while, and I was, like, a little bit at wit's end. I was feeling exhausted. And I think you had maybe just gotten over being sick. And
0: Was I, like, Dad basically two it? children
2: in one? You might have been, probably. like, seven. But <laughs> a lot of energy. Oh, my God. So... Dad calls I put him on I don't know exactly the order of how it happened but it happened something like this Marley said Mommy I don't feel good and as I picked her up she threw up down my back oh as my David God. called and I hit the speaker phone and he's like hi I just worked with Cindy Crawford and Tyra Banks all day and I go Hi, I'm standing in a pile of throw up right now. <laughs> I gotta go. And I clicked. Oh my I was so god. mad. I was like, he's working with supermodels and I'm standing literally in throw up. Oh my <laughs> gosh.
1: Well, who knows what Noah and Joy were doing
2: too. Oh God, freaking havoc. Oh my god. Uh, there are some crazy years.
1: Yeah, you really you are really our super mom. So is my mom, but you know, you guys I mean we never broke windows or like oh yeah.
0: I never okay. broke windows. You did.
1: <laughs> well at least you guys never had any broken bones or stuff. I like, didn't
0: right? break a window. Brett Weiss uh, broke Phoebe window. Had a window. No, soon, no, I just, did break windows. You broke
2: so many windows. The throwing against the garage and I oh, said, yeah. Joey, stop throwing the ball against the garage, you're gonna break a window. Mom, I'm not gonna break a window. <laughs> oh. So many broken Oops. windows. Oops. Yeah, karma will probably get get <laughs> yeah, <It was. laughs> that usually does happen.
0: Either, uh, what, yeah. what does that mean, that people are going to come break my windows?
2: I get to be grandma, and they come to me, Daddy's mad at me. I broke a window. And I'll go, just tell him he did, too. <laughs> 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 oh,
0: that's really cute, That'll Mom. be fun. <laughs> that's and really I get to get even. Cute. Cute. Oh, my gosh. Wow. It's
2: going to
0: be yeah. so fun. Sorry for breaking yeah.
2: windows. I'm actually heading into the new phase of empty nesting years. Yeah. That's a whole Phoebe's new graduating. You're a mu- wait a minute. You're yeah. like you're months away. I'm months away. Oh my gosh. That's a whole other podcast, I feel like you're, too. You're gonna be episode. Oh my gosh. You're gonna be an empty nester this year. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We'll have to interview you again when you're empty nester. I feel like that's a great topic of of like just moms that would like to I don't know hear the difference or just
0: yeah
2: well the good thing is like I feel like this job at the art center came at a perfect time Mm -hmm. because now I'm there definitely keeps you very busy you know it's a part-time job but it's but I'm their full-time curator so like
0: you couldn't have done this I
2: couldn't have done this five years ago yeah Yeah. so much work only because David travels so much I was
0: gonna say longer than that but yeah right even
2: five years ago because only because David travels so much if he didn't travel so much I probably could have because yeah. when he's home, he's so hands-on and, you know, mm-hmm. able to help. But when he's gone, you know, I couldn't have juggled everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a curator, you don't really make that much money. So it's not like I could hire a babysitter to do it because then I'd be yeah. paying the babysitter probably more than I would be making. Yeah. yeah that's true. So, um, yeah, so it came at a perfect time. Yeah. It really and it did. is a dream job because yeah. they give me full reign to come up with any ideas. And they are so supportive. And it's so so beautiful where you work. It's a beautiful gallery. Great, great facility. They do amazing work. Yeah. great classes and we'll, workshops we'll home. It two is minutes really from best. my house it's, it's really a dream job right yeah. now at yeah. this phase in my life
0: and it's the perfect thing for you because like you said you are a connector and you get to do that right you are also a writer you're a, such a good writer right. you get to do writing i get to write a too. lot and you're with this and you're all an the an artist, artist. Statements and so the and, philosophy
2: and per, you know the yeah. philosopher in me and the you know, I just it ties everything together. And the and I love part. it. It's all in there. It is. It's perfect. really cool. And I only really show my work there during Voices and Visions. Yeah. So right. that's always like kind of my my time. Yeah. Which is so so great. Yeah. This is so awesome. fun. I love you, Mama.
1: Love
2: uh, you. This has been an amazing weekend. We've had the amazing. greatest Thank time. Thank you so much for I coming out so here. So fun. No, it's so magical that like,
1: it. you know, there's like this saying, Courtney's saying, it's, like, fine, it. be with. It's something about like, uh, surround yourself with people that make you forget. You're on like, make you forget to check your phone. I have lost my phone this weekend. Oh, I love you, that. You so you many have. times, That's I'm like, true. I was like, I don't, I don't even know. Where I've, my phone is.
0: I've never seen. You. Wait, <laughs> what does that say about me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, it's because if we're not together, yeah, or, like yeah, you're nah, always just, like calling or texting. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, I've I've lost my phone so many times this weekend because I just we've just been bonding so much with Joey's mom that I'm like, what time is it? What day? Like yeah, right. Where's my phone? Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's just it's been great. Thank you. You're
0: awesome. The, awesome.
1: You. Are you kidding me? What a way to start! Now anybody that we're interviewing. Oh next. yeah,
0: guest number two, you got a tough act to follow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I was so nervous, but the, it was actually started, so much fun. It's, right. You just yeah, have to start. I Did, love you you it. start? Did you I even realize we've been doing
1: this for over an hour?
2: Really? Almost um, hour
0: twenty.
1: Wow. Awesome. So great. Thank you. Thank you. This has been so great. And I'm so excited to have you again. Maybe when you're an empty yeah. nester, next time you come to visit, we'll yeah. I mean there's so many topics that we can talk about with you. So Great. until next time.
2: It. All right. I'll miss you. Oh so love you, mom, group Mwah. hug. Group, hug, bring it in. And you know what? <laughs> All of you guys bring it
0: in too. Yeah, everyone, bring it in get in, it. in here. Get <laughs> in here, everybody. Goodbye,
1: everyone. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. And good night. Oh good
0: night.